Today is Monday, November 14th, and you're listening to the Morning Announcements presented by Betches Media. I'm your host, Sammy Sage, and the Morning Announcements is your daily five-minute breakdown of the headlines that isn't afraid to take a side and roast the most consequential reality show there is, our government. Control of the Senate was decided over the weekend. Following the victory of incumbent Democratic Senator Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada, over Republican Adam Laxalt. Democrats now control 50 Senate seats to the Republicans' 49. So given Vice President Kamala Harris's tie-breaking vote, Democrats will still retain control even if Herschel Walker were to win the Georgia runoff on December 6th. So we'll see. But I do have to wonder if Walker has any regrets over paying to abort some potential voters. By the way, if Democrat Raphael Warnock wins the Georgia runoff, this will be the first time in U.S. history that every incumbent senator in any political party has won re-election. And if not a blue wave, I think we can at least call that a blue tide. Back to the rest of the Nevada results, where a notable trend is that many voters clearly opted to vote split ticket. They elected Republican Joe Lombardo as governor, but rejected one of the worst Republican election deniers in the country, Jim Marchant, as their Secretary of State, instead electing Democrat Cisco Aguilar. As for Secretary of State races nationwide, only one out of 12 of the election-denying candidates for Secretary of State won, and that was in Indiana. So fortunately, not in any swing states where they will be overseeing the 2024 presidential election. However, despite that great statistic for Secretaries of State, election-denying and doubting candidates, maybe we should just call them EDCs at this point, they won in 167 races for governor, House, and Senate, meaning that we are not completely out of the woods of dangerous elected officials just yet. Though speaking of dangerous elected officials, the Colorado congressional race between Lauren Boebert and Adam Frisch is officially going to a recount. They're still waiting on thousands of ballots to come in from overseas and the military, as well as those that need signature and technical verification. So it could be a minute, and it is possible that control of the House of Representatives could come down to this very race. For some more state and local decisions, Nevadans also voted to add a state constitutional amendment that would increase the minimum wage to $12 an hour by 2024. It will also eliminate a current tiered system of minimum wage rates dependent on whether a company offers its employees health insurance. And in Toledo, Ohio, the city council approved $800,000 to purchase the medical debt of its residents, which would create roughly $200 million in debt relief. A note to other cities, if they wanted to, they would. Before we move on to the rest of the news, we have to talk about the elephant in South Florida. The results of the midterms were not just bad for Republicans, but they were especially bad for Trump-endorsed Republicans. And given how the cleaner MAGA brand of Ron DeSantis performed in his race in Florida, very well, the narrative quickly turned to DeSantis as the future of the Republican Party. Upon hearing that, Trump went and ranted on his little website that he personally stopped Ron DeSantis and Rick Scott from losing their 2018 elections by sending in FBI agents to stop, quote, ballot theft in Broward County, which would be extremely illegal if true, though not entirely unbelievable. However, the DOJ has since denied the claims, while the FBI Miami office referred inquiries to FBI headquarters in D.C., which declined to comment, as did the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Florida and the Broward County Elections Office. Well then. Meanwhile, Trump kept himself busy this weekend with his daughter's wedding preparations. If such preparations involve filing a lawsuit on Friday, the night of the rehearsal dinner, 
to block the House January 6th committee subpoena, which requires him to testify today. Who could have predicted that that would not be happening? We're dedicating the rest of the episode to some business headlines. If you can call what I'm about to describe business. Elon Musk continued to spend the weekend tweeting his way into potential bankruptcy, while the company he just gathered $44 billion to purchase continued to operate with half of a staff and serious internal turmoil. First, let's talk revenue. The global advertising conglomerate Omnicon, which serves over 5,000 of the largest companies as clients, is recommending that its clients pause their advertising spends on Twitter. Financially, this could be a huge problem, considering that advertising sales represented over 90% of Twitter's revenue in the second quarter of 2022. And that's before we even get into the operations. Twitter began firing swaths of contractors on Saturday without notice, with many people finding out their fate after they were locked out of their Slack and Gmail accounts. And for the employees who do remain, Elon Musk's lawyer, Alex Spiro, who is not even Twitter's official lawyer, but was just aiding the acquisition, tried to reassure employees that they won't go to jail if the company is found in violation of an FTC consent decree, which requires that Twitter take certain precautions around data and privacy. I imagine that was extremely reassuring, especially considering that the FTC has already fined Twitter $150 million earlier this year, specifically for a violation related to secure user data being used for ad targeting. You just know this is going to end with a lot of grown men crying into their Patagonia vests. And while chaos reigns in Silicon Valley, Twitter in Europe may be slipping under the radar, but not on this podcast. Not only did Musk questionably violate Irish labor laws with the first round of layoffs, but many employees who were told that they need to return to the office at a moment's notice simply can't, due to the fact that there is literally not enough housing in Dublin. Musk backtracked on that, just like he has several times on the blue check verification policies, and said that they could work from home if it wasn't possible to come in. But Musk's problems in Europe aren't going away. Twitter is expected to appear in German court in two weeks to defend itself on charges that it has refused to take down defamatory content. And they've been ordered by a court in France to release details about how they moderate French language content in a case brought by a group of organizations that fight hate speech. And I don't think that the European regulators are going to accept, do you even know who I am, bro, as a proper court defense. If you think the headlines for Twitter are bad, For our last story, we have a major crypto collapse. But first, a little context. One of the world's biggest cryptocurrency exchanges, which is kind of like a crypto stock market, is called FTX and is, or was, run by a man named Sam Bankman-Fried. He and the exchange have spent multiple millions of dollars trying to lobby the government to implement easy regulations on the growing crypto industry. Now, the specifics of what happened with FTX are way too much for this show. But what you need to know is that last week, a deal to help fund the exchange fell through, and then it completely collapsed, now filing for bankruptcy. Because in layman's terms, Sam Bankman-Fried was actually running a crypto Ponzi scheme. Following the sudden implosion, the DOJ and the SEC are investigating what happened at FTX for criminal and civil securities violations, respectively. And as for Sam Bankman-Fried, he is rumored to have fled to Argentina based on tracking his private jet though he denied the claim and says he is still in the Bahamas, where FTX is actually headquartered and he lives full-time. Which leaves us with just one more question. Who will be the next scammer that the business media hails as a -a once-in-a-generation genius and puts on the cover of Forbes before an 
unfortunate collapse that nobody could have seen coming. Thank you for listening to the morning announcements. If you're enjoying the show, please help us keep growing by leaving me a review on Apple Podcasts and five stars on Spotify. Or you can just tell a friend or your entire TikTok following. And if you just can't get enough of the morning announcements, be sure to subscribe to my new premium episodes where I deep dive into the bigger themes behind the headlines that we can't cover in five minutes. The latest episode is about the Christian nationalist plan to make the United States into a theocracy. And Roe vs. Wade was just the beginning. This week, I'm going to be exploring the full biography of Elon Musk, not the parts that he wants you to know, though. You can subscribe on Apple or Spotify and get two premium long episodes a month. And you can get a seven-day free trial on Apple. Until tomorrow, I'm Sammy Sage, and now you know what the fuck is going on. Betches.